This is Joshua Bell with The Kilt on the Cloth. This was my sermon from this past Sunday, January 30th, 2022, titled Known, Called, and Commissioned. I should have probably called it Signed, Sealed, and Delivered. Either way, I hope you enjoy, and God bless. My scripture this morning is taken from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. If you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it is found in your pew Bibles on page 622. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, oh, Lord God, truly. I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy and to overthrow and to build and to plant. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. We have in this lesson Jeremiah's prophetic call to speak God's word to the nations. Now the beginning of the call alludes to God's initiative in the process. You see, Jeremiah is informed that quite apart from any aspect of his human ability, God knew, consecrated, appointed Jeremiah and laid out his entire life like fresh clothes from the closet. Now, this is typical to call episodes. Jeremiah remonstrates with God, Truly, I do not know how to speak. I am only a boy. Yet God brushes the excuse aside with divine, You shall statements. And reminiscent of Isaiah's call, God touches Jeremiah's mouth and in effect transfers the divine words to a human mouth. Huh. And this is kind of powerful. It, it has to give us a moment to pause and to think, what is it that God has made us for? Not you as a church, you see, but you as a human being. What has God made you the person for? It has to ask questions. What awakens your passion what, what creates uh, opportunities for your creativity and your sense of being true to oneself? I think we all struggle with the, the question, what is our calling? And what do we need to do to cooperate with that calling? You 
You see, one of the most beautiful parts about the Hebrew Bible is this, this language of call. You see, nobody wanted to be a prophet. It's not something that people woke up one day and said, oh yeah, I want to be a prophet. That sounds like a really good job. Do they get dental? Prophets were not somebody that people wanted to hang out with. I mean, I want you to think about it. They were these truth tellers that nobody wanted to hang out with. They were so mean and nasty sometimes that people literally just didn't want to hang out with them at all. Just think for just a moment. Jeremiah is 12 years old. Well, that's what we preach, right? It's not necessarily true or accurate because the true academic answer is we don't know. But people are going to make money and make curriculums that say, well, he was 12. So let's just look at it this way. We know that he was a young person. And God says, you're going to be the prophet of Israel. I don't know about you, but I'd have been like, uh, no, thank you. The adults don't listen to me now. What makes you think they're going to listen to me then? And then God doesn't allow him to say or feel sorry for himself. He says, I will give you the words to say. You just do what I tell you. Right? <laughs> Those that have worked with children, you know that we say these statements all the time. You just do as I say, not necessarily as I do. Now, I want to give you a little bit of context for this passage of Scripture, because I think sometimes we tend to just talk about the words. We don't necessarily look at it in the languages as to when and how it took place. For example, we tend to believe this took place in around 627 BCE, about the time when King Josiah was busy reforming political and religious institution to strengthen his control of Judah and the bordering states. Now this matters because the occasion of Josiah's energy in restructuring these alliances was because Assyria, the prevailing empire at the time, as we've all seen before with empires, was starting to crumble. And there's going to be a power vacuum of who's going to be in charge and who's going to lead all of the people under the Assyrian rule. They were on the, Assyria was on the verge of collapse. So with their enemy weak and seemingly vulnerable, Josiah, the king, thought it would be a good time to do his own geopoliticking or politicking with Egypt. All of a sudden, this changes the whole dynamic. Here comes this boy who is going to lead all of Israel by the words of God. No pressure or anything. The reason Jeremiah gives his resistance is that he is both too young and too unsuited for the task. Yet God's call could not be avoided. God commanded Jeremiah not to speak of himself as a boy and not to be afraid of the powers he would confront. God would be with him, God says, through his entire calling and based on the foresight and choice of God and not based on good career counseling. And Jeremiah gives the same excuse that we always give. I'd love to, but I'm too dot, dot, dot. I would love for you to do this. That sounds like a really good job, but I'm too, hmm. And we can fill in the blank. 
You know, I don't talk a lot about my call. I, uh, I try to avoid it. If I'm being completely honest and transparent with you and those that are online, it's, uh, it's not comfortable to, for me. You know, when I was growing up and we'd go to church camps and I would work at church camps, everybody talked about these mountaintop experiences. I mean, let's face it, we're, we're neglecting the fact that Jeremiah is literally talking to God and arguing with God, which most of the Hebrew Bible prophets do at some point or another. I, I never heard God's voice. All I know is, is that I'd be at church camp and a lot of my ministerial colleagues found their calling into ministry at being around the church camp campfire, eating s'mores and playing camp songs and having this really great religious and emotional experience. And somewhere in the end of the, the campfire worship, they felt the presence of God tug at their heart. And all of a sudden they knew with their entire being, they were going to be a, a minister for the glory of God and yada, yada, yada. They heard God's voice and they knew that was going to happen. And being the pessimist that I am, I would argue with them and say, well, maybe you had too many s'mores. Maybe you're having a sugar high and you're hearing voices at this point. See, I, I, I tend to be on the other side of the spectrum. I come to God through the study of Scripture. And from the moments of listening to God through those studies of Scripture, I hear God's voice in the midst of conversations with others. I never have felt like some sort of mountaintop experience or a lightning bolt striking me in the back of my head. I think, honestly, if I'm being completely transparent with you, my calling looks a lot like Jonah. You see, church people are wonderful at seeing gifts in people. And telling them about it. I can remember when I was young. I'd be 10 or 12 years old. And my dad, because he's just that way, he found a way. And he'd say, Josh, I don't have an elder this morning. I need you to pray. Okay, dad, whatever. And I would walk up to the front and I would pray the elder's prayer. And everybody would oh, Josh, you're so good. Yeah, thanks. I like to speak publicly. That's fine. And you know what they always would say? Josh, when you... Grow up and be just like your dad or your mom. When you become a preacher and you take over their churches, and I look at them in the face and I'd say, oh, yeah, that ain't happening. I have no interest in being like my parents. I mean, they're awesome people, don't get me wrong. But I don't want to be a minister. Have, have you seen yourselves lately in the mirror? Church people can be kind of scary sometimes. I felt a lot of times like, Jeremiah, I, nobody's going to listen to me. They barely listen to each other now. And so I find myself at the per beginning of my understanding of ministry of, of being like Jonah, like hearing God's voice, not really, but God kind of guiding me in this direction and saying, here's what you're going to do. And I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. And I'd go do something completely else. And the whole time it was like God would not ever let me get away from church ministry. I would try very hard. I did everything I possibly could to not be a minister. Are you catching the drift here? And then somehow God put me on a ship, threw me off into the water, made me get swallowed by some big nasty fish. I had to sit in there for three days and then God vomited me onto the shore and made me go to places like Nineveh. And I could see, 
I can see Jonah's anger as he walks into the doors and he busts open the door frames and he says, listen all you people, you're all gonna burn in hell. You have to repent. And waiting for the God's lightning to strike and looking outside, not looking at the people, you see, looking for the hail, fire, and brimstone. And when they look at me and they say, okay, we want to believe in God, going, what? You've got to be kidding me. And no hellfire came. No lightning came. No earthquakes. Well, there were earthquakes, but it wasn't like grandstanding. The temple breaks and nothing fell. No walls of Jericho fell onto the ground. All I knew was is that I wanted to go and feel sorry for myself. So I would shut the doors as I walked out the door and said, let God be with you. And found myself sitting underneath a fig tree, feeling sorry for myself, having a temper tantrum. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, it's because it's Jonah. And every single time in my ministry, all I kept feeling was God drop-kicking me. You're like, what? What does that mean? Well, I'd be going along my path, the path that I was supposed to be going on, and God would literally pick me up by the scruff of my shirt and then drop-kick me to the next place and say, here's where you're supposed to go. Get ready for your next Nineveh experience. <laughs> but there was something that I knew that we all teach, and we don't necessarily recognize or call it upon it itself. When you professed Jesus as Christ, that's your commissioning service. You see, in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, we believe with our whole being in this idea of the priesthood of all believers. The minister is not the voice of God for the church in First Christian Church Perry. I'm one of many voices of God in the First Christian Church of Perry. The difference between, between us and the Hebrew Bible prophets is I was not the only word of God. I'm one voice. I'm not the only one that goes and visits people in the hospital. I'm not the only one that prays with people. And for the truth being told, any of you should be able to come and stand behind the pulpit and bring the word of God to the people. Why? Because we believe that all those that profess that Jesus is Christ and Savior are then ambassadors of that Savior. And you've been called and you've been commissioned to go out into the world preaching and teaching and baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And yet, it's easy to say, I'd love to, but I'm too. Dot, dot, dot. I think if we're being real, truly honest, we like stories of Jeremiah and Isaiah because it's comfortable, because it's happened to them, not us. We like that story because, oh, look at Jeremiah. Isn't he so adorable? Can you imagine how cute it would have been? Here's this young boy standing in front of all these people. This in adults, you guys better straighten up or God's going to get really mad. And you all would listen to him for a few minutes. And then we would just talk about how great it was afterwards. Did you see the confidence of that young person speaking to us like that? In the meantime, Jeremiah has just told you that if you don't straighten up, hellfire and brimstone are coming. And we just keep on walking.
Jeremiah receives the call. God says that he's supposed to be appointed over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And like the prophet Moses before him, Jeremiah was none too eager to be a prophet. It wasn't about the salary. It wasn't about the, the health insurance plans. It, it wasn't about pension funds. It wasn't, it wasn't even about the security of being able to preach in front of the people. You see, speaking the truth in the face of conflicting and competing realities, well, it makes Jeremiah's reluctance understandable. No wonder he said, ah, I think I'm going to have to pass when the prophet's mantle was being passed around. There's a theologian in the 17th century by the name of John Donne who talks about, he writes this poem specifically talking about call. And it's, and it's, you have to bear with me, but the words really resonated with me as I was preparing for this sermon. His sermon was, well, his, the, the poem says, batter my heart. O three-personed God, for you as yet but knock and breathe. Shine and seek to men that I might rise and stand. Or throw me and bend your force to break, blow, burn, and make me new. You see, I think the part that we always leave off this is, is that those that have been known, even in the womb, that have been called and consecrated by their professions of faith, are then in, intended to go out as commissioned agents, for lack of a better phrase, believers in Christ. And we don't get to say, I'd love to, but I'm, I'm too busy. I'd love to, but I've already done it before. It's time for somebody else to do it. I, I'd love to, but I, 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 uh, you know, I just don't really like people. <laughs> I'd love to, but I, I, I just don't know uh, where to even begin. And I think that's, that's a fair statement. I think the part the church has struggled is, 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 is what do we need in order to cooperate with that calling? And I think the church struggles a lot with how do we empower people with their callings. I think we're good at preaching from the pulpit. I'm, I don't know if we're really necessarily good about walking out the doors and preaching outside our building. I might not have had a mountaintop experience, but I knew deep and early on what it meant to be a minister. And it wasn't something fun. There are moments that are joyful. There are moments when you find the presence of God and you might not be able to hear God's still small voice, but you can see it. And I remember being exactly where you are right now and thinking to myself, well, where, where is it that God is calling me and leading me? And once I stopped pretending that I was in control I found my way again I might not have had a mountaintop experience but I know that every fiber of my being every breath I take is for the glory of God and you know what in all transparency 
I am not perfect. The part that's really hard is, is that in today's culture, there are voices that I accidentally miss. There are people that I don't physically get to see and sit next to them at their bedside in the hospital. There are, there are people that I accidentally forget to call or accidentally forget to put their prayer concerns on the prayer list. And there are people that I forget to do all of these things. And at the end of the day, all I can do is to say, I'm doing the best that I can and know that God will give me the words and that guide my actions and my deeds. So our challenge is, is how do we do this in recognition of the world that we live in and recognize that God isn't just calling me, is not just calling our elders and our diaconate, that God is calling each of us to be that non-anxious presence in the world. You see, our realities are not that much different from Jeremiah. The world yells and screams and hollers at each other all day long. But God offers a soothing, comforting presence. So let us go out into the world preaching that gospel. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.